I'm reading this morning from Philippians, or 1 Timothy rather, chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, and um, I, I want you to give your attention to the reading of God's Word from the Apostle Paul. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to a service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy, a trustworthy statement. This is a statement Paul makes at least three times in this letter. He's always in the inspiration of the Spirit saying important things, but every now and then he says to Timothy, now pay attention here, Timothy. This is really important. And that's what he's saying to us. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Since uh, assuming this responsibility and this particular assignment in the church, I've had the privilege to go many places, and it has been uh, given to me at times the responsibility to to visit places in our world that have been devastated by natural disasters. Soon after Katrina hit the Gulf Coast in 2005, Dr. Jess Middendorf and I made a trip down into Louisiana, visited our churches and our work. Dr. Middendorf returned to Kansas City, and I went along the Gulf Coast over into Mobile, Alabama, and saw the devastation that rain, wind, and the sea can, can uh, wreak on a, on a piece of God's earth. Uh, Lake Pontchartrain, around New Orleans, there were homes on one side of a canal, the canal being about as wide as this sanctuary is wide, and entire homes simply picked up from one side and thrown into the backyard of houses on the other side. The foundations over here and the structure over here. People displaced, people suffering. It was, an, it was a tragic event. In 2010, I believe it was, on a Monday afternoon in January, I was in Haiti when the earthquake struck. And after everything had calmed down, we drove out into Patientville, a little community where our seminary is located. And already the people had moved out into the streets. There, there arose out of, out of Port-au-Prince, which is just down the mountain from where our seminary. You could hear a, 
a den of noise coming up, and then a cloud of dust rose up out of the earth, and the day became night almost immediately. The suffering was unbelievable. By the next day, as we drove through the city, the bodies were already laying on the sidewalks. It was a devastating time for the people of Haiti. When the tsunami hit Japan, I was asked to visit Japan and visit our churches that were suffering in that particular part of the country. Landed in Tokyo, we took the bullet train up to Sendai and visited some of those little seacoast communities. The scientists at the University of Tokyo say that there was a place along the coast where that tsunami wave came into Japan, and it was 130 feet high. It swept inland at least four miles, and when it began to return to the ocean, it took with it everybody and everything in its path. Entire villages just simply swept away. I was in the Philippines here not too long ago, and the uh, typhoon Hyane hit down in Leyte, where Douglas MacArthur landed several years ago and began the Pacific campaign that eventually ended World War II. While I was there, I got a call from Larry Bollinger, who is the director of Nazarene Compassion Ministries, and he said, well, JK, um, an earthquake in Haiti, the tsunami, the um, typhoon, I'm not sure I'd want you coming to my region. Um, I, I don't think it's because of me. But I've been asked to be in certain places where people have suffered. And I was honored to represent you and to carry with me the love and prayers of our church family. But I could not change the circumstances of the people. There was nothing I really could do for them. I could assure them that money would be given, that teams would be coming, that medical supplies would be coming, that prayers would be lifted on their behalf. But I was helpless in the face of so much devastation. I went with goodwill. I went with your prayers and your best wishes for those who were suffering. But had you all gone with me, we could not have changed their circumstances. Simply going into a place doesn't necessarily change that place. The Apostle Paul has something altogether different when he makes this statement that Christ Jesus came into this world. He came fully into this world. He came not as a visitor and not as a guest. But he entered into this world as you and I entered in this world. And God clothed himself with flesh and took upon himself our identity and gathered to himself our full humanity. There was nothing less than human about the man Jesus. He was tempted in all points like as we are tempted according to the book of Hebrews. And when you think about that, it may make you blush just a little bit to think of those temptations. But Jesus has experienced all of that. He entered into our circumstances. He didn't come as I went and look and say that's tragic. He moved into our circumstances and again gathered to himself all that we were at our worst. Indeed, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God 
made him who knew no sin to be sin. Well, that's a stretch for me to read that and think about that. Somehow God laid upon him the sin and sinfulness of the human race. And Jesus willingly accepted the burden of that sin and carried it to the cross. And when Jesus cried, it is finished, on that day when he offered his life as a sacrifice for us, he changed everything. He didn't just come and go back to the Father and say things are really bad down there. He entered into our circumstances and he changed everything in this world. Christ Jesus came into the world and he came for the reason of saving sinners. And Paul said, I was the worst of the lot. But he came to save. This word save we often think of in a very narrow sense. But in this context, this is a, this is a big word. It's a broad word. It's an all-encompassing word. It gathers unto itself here the prevenient grace of God that was demonstrated in the person of Christ who came uninvited and at times unwelcomed into our circumstances. And he came so that he might extend the love of God and reveal the love of God to us. It encompasses saving grace. That grace extended to those of us who were living in sin. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about us, and and he talks about Christ Jesus dying at just the right time for those who were helpless. And he goes a step further, and he says, it's hardly ever that a man would die for a good man, but here's a God who gave himself to us and for us while we were still in the act of sinning. And he takes it another step a few verses later when he says Christ died for us while we were the enemies of God. This is the saving, redemptive grace of God in Christ, reaching out to all of us and to all the people driving up and down the freeway out in front of this church and the people that gather from time to time in Qualcomm Stadium and the people that move in and out of San Diego. Christ Jesus died to save every one of them, and the whole world could experience that redemption and not bankrupt the grace of God. He has sufficient grace for all of the hurting and lost people in this world. He came to save, to forgive us, to give us new life. But it means more than that. It means the sanctifying grace of God. That grace of God that sets us free. That releases us. We sang about it earlier. Amazing love. The love that cancels the power of sin. That breaks the inner chains of sin. That releases us from the dominance of self and the preoccupation with ourselves and sets us free to become the people that God wants us to be. If you're a Christian today, you are somebody you never thought you could be. And the longer you walk with Christ, the more you find yourself becoming like him and responding and reacting in ways that honor him. As we spend time with him, we become more and more like him. It, it encompasses this transforming grace of God that is the ongoing work of God in our lives. Jesus Christ came into the world to save, not simply to repair something that was broken, but to make Something new. And we are that new creation in Christ. You and I, we are that new creation. We are that new people. In Ephesians, Paul talks about those of us who were once not a people, but who are now a people. 
Those of us who were alienated from God and separated from the promises of God. But now we've been swept into all the promises of God by his grace and by his goodness. This is God redeeming and loving and saving and sanctifying and transforming and keeping. I want to suggest to you today that this this word save goes even further than that, if I may. And I think there's context for that. Paul says in uh, verse 19, he's writing to, to Timothy, his young son. Actually, it begins in verse 18. And he says, now, I'm, I'm writing these words to you, Timothy. You're, you're a follower of Christ. You've been saved. You've, you've had holy hands laid on you. And prophetic words have been spoken about you. And God has put a calling in your heart. There's something happening in you. And something is going to happen through you. And the world is going to be a better place. Because you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm, I'm giving you these instructions. And he's talking about all that is to come. I'm giving you the instructions so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and holding on to good conscience. The challenge for all of us who follow Christ over the years as we Age. I'm a senior adult now. I don't know how you're supposed to feel when you get to be a senior adult. I didn't even know it happened until it just happened. It snuck up on me and I wasn't quite aware that it was coming. I might have run had I known it was so close and sought out a place of refuge. I do know that as we, as we move through the stages of life, we all face different temptations, if I might use that word. Along the way, there are different levels of stress and different kinds of anxieties. And the truth of the matter is that Christ Jesus came to save us in the midst of the changing circumstances of our lives. We had the evening meal last night with your pastor and his lovely wife, and in the course of the conversation, I Turned to Norma, I don't think she'll mind my sharing this. And I said, tell me about your health. How are you doing? And they began to tell me about this past year and how extremely difficult things were several months ago. And going to this doctor and that doctor and always offering it up to God in prayer and believing and having faith. And and not not all that certain about where things might be at this time, though wonderful health and energy has returned, and we're so thankful for that. But the testimony was that in the the midst of the uncertainty and in the midst of the less than encouraging news that came every now and then from doctors, there was a sense of peace and confidence and rest And even joy in the Lord, not in the circumstance, but in the Lord. That's that's God saving in the midst of. That's the grace of God that is sufficient for every need and every every trial of our lives. It, it uh, It is human nature to live with certain enemies. One of the enemies we face is the enemy of fear. I just uh, have been told I'm retiring on August the 1st. 
of 2017. Um, not necessarily because I want to, though I do, but not necessarily because I've tried to, I'm too old to be any good anymore. So they just, they, that's what they do, you know. They just say we've got to make room with some, for somebody that's good and can help us. And so I'm going to limp off into the sunset here in a few few years. I think I'll go out in a wheelchair so it'll make them feel better about the decision. And, and it, it, it happens. And, and I'm thinking about things that I never thought about before. Patty and I are rearranging the way we do things and think about life and and we think about money a little differently, and we think more about what little retirement we have set aside. It changes the way you think, and the anxieties and fears of the future come. That's, a, that's just what happens to us. But you know, we're finding in the midst of this, this pending transition a great sense of peace that the God who has walked with us as we've lived together these 40, nearly 47 years, is the same God who will walk with us through the years that remain. And the God who supplied our needs when, when we had small children and, and when we didn't have money to make the car payment or, or money to put the tithe in and we put it in anyway, the God who was there in those times will be here in those future times. And that's God. That's that's God saving, helping us to fight the good fight and, and moving forward in our lives with confidence and faith and optimism. Fear is a paralyzing thing. Anxiety and worry. We went through a very difficult time with our son several years ago, and I talked about it when I was here for district assemblies some. And uh, there, were, there were those nights when sleep would not come, and the only thing I could do was lay in the bed and offer back to God the 23rd Psalm. Lord, you are my shepherd, so I'm not going to be in need even in this time. I won't be paralyzed by this, though I was nearly at the point of paralysis, but I will trust in you. You will lead us to places where we can find rest, where we can be renewed. You will renew my soul and my heart. You're going to be with us even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Even if the darkest time comes, you're going to walk with us through those times. And you're going to sustain us in those times. And we can trust in you and believe in you. You're going to prepare places of refreshment. Even if we're surrounded by enemies, you're going to prepare for our needs and supply our needs. And and though it looks as if we're being hounded by the, by the hounds of hell, we know that it is goodness and mercy that follow after us, and they will protect us as we go forward in you. So I'm going to put my trust in you because I know that you're going to be faithful now and you're going to be faithful in eternity. And somehow, though nothing changed, everything changed. As the Holy Spirit would come near and give me assurance and Give me strength. Paul knew that there would be times in Timothy's life when fear and anxiety and problems and challenges and temptations would come. And if he weren't careful, he'd grow weary and he'd grow tired. The greatest danger for those of us who are following Christ is to grow weary in well-doing. Just to grow weary and to give up our hope and to give up our confidence for the future. 
But the promise here is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save in the midst of, sometimes out of, sometimes through deliverance, sometimes through strength. But the grace of God is available to help us as we walk through these challenges and through these times. Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy understood the sufficiency of God in these hours of our lives. As I said, we were in... Vietnam, last January, in fact, a year ago, we'd never had an ordination service in the country of Vietnam. We have two ordained elders, but they were ordained in Thailand. But last year, they decided that it was okay. It's against the law to do that sort of thing, but missionaries don't think too much about the law when it comes to those kinds of things. So they decided we'd have an ordination service, and they rented a room in a hotel that's owned by the local police department, which seemed really unhandy to me. But they, uh, they said, uh, well, really it's a good idea because they're less likely to raid their own hotel. It'd be kind of an embarrassment to them. So they rented a room out by the pool, not down in the business area, and they told the, the folks, we're going to have a party. And we did. That's, that's what we did. We had a party. They, they stationed people at the elevator and the stairways and hallways, and they all had their cell phones, and they were ready to text us if anybody came. And I was told that, that if Linda Dow, our missionary, did this, I should sit down quickly and say nothing to anybody, not answer any questions, just sit there like a deaf mute and, and watch, and she would take care of everything else. But we made it through that service. But I had the privilege of ordaining a young man who a couple of years earlier had been arrested and beaten so badly that they were sure he would die. They said his head swelled up the size of a basketball. Roland and Linda Dow said, we thought his head would just burst open. It was so bad. They prayed. People prayed. The church prayed. And that young man recovered. No brain damage. No physical lasting impact. When he recovered from his, from his suffering and his hospital ordeal, he came to see our missionaries. And he said to them, I'm going back up to my village. I'm going back to my people. They said, well, it's dangerous up there. He said, well, I'm going back to my people. I want to preach to those who arrested me. I want to preach to those and witness to those who tried to kill me. And I want to assure my people that the grace of God is sufficient for them. He had every reason in the world to seek another assignment. And all of us would have thought it to be the better part of wisdom. But he understood this passage of Scripture that Christ Jesus came into the world to save, to deliver, to strengthen, to empower, to equip. So he went back to the place of service and offered himself again, fully knowing the risk now, but still willing to put his life on the line. And that's what the Apostle is talking about here. That we might fight the good fight and holding on to good conscience. Now, it isn't likely that we're going to be arrested. And it isn't likely that we're going to be beaten because of our faith. But it is likely that we're going to be tempted and we're going to be tried and we're going to be stressed. 
I want to say to you today that Christ Jesus came into the world not only to save us from our sins, to deliver us from ourselves, but also to deliver us in the living of our lives so that we might give him glory and honor by the way we offer ourselves to him. That's good news, you know. That's good news. It isn't just about forgiveness of sins and the sanctifying grace of God, and we thank him for that. That's where it all starts. But it's also about the grace for daily living in the changing circumstances of our lives. Jesus gathered to himself not only our sin, but he gathered to himself our weaknesses and our sorrows and our griefs. And he bore them to the cross so that we might have his strength and his power and his energy and glorify him in all the circumstances of our lives. Jesus made all the difference in the world. I really can't help you, but I know somebody who can help you in every circumstance and in every situation. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I thank God for the promise of his grace. And I find at different times in my life I need different applications of grace. And I need different movements of the Spirit of God to walk with me and to help me in my times of struggle my times of fear, my times of unrest, times when circumstances are stressful. I can say to you today with Paul, now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. We're going to sing a chorus and it's Likely that everyone in this room is a follower of Christ. But it could be that there's a brother or sister today and you're carrying a a heavy load. Maybe it's a word spoken by a doctor. Maybe it's a circumstance in your family. Maybe it's a fear, apprehension about something in the future. Or a nagging doubt about something from the past. And you'd you'd like to spend a few moments praying today. I'm going to open the altar here. And the altar for us may mean kneeling or it may be sitting on the front row and having our brothers and sisters gather around us and pray for us in our times of need. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens. Well, to bear them, we have to know about them. And so we have an opportunity to offer these up to God and to rest in him today. If it would be helpful to you to spend a few moments of special prayer, and it would be helpful to you to do that here at the front, either seated or kneeling, we'd like to pray with you today so that you may hold on to faith with a good conscience and fight the good fight right where we are in the middle of the stuff of life, holding on, keeping faith, being faithful. Now, Father, 
I thank you for these brothers and sisters gathered here today. I don't know our circumstances, but I do know that you fully understand each one of us. And if there's a brother or sister here today, young, middle-aged, older, whose heart is aching, facing a circumstance that at times seems almost overbearing, we pray that your Holy Spirit will move into our lives and bring us to the place of prayer and submission to you and trusting in you. We pray it in the name of Jesus. We're going to sing a chorus, and if you'd like to pray here, maybe pray right where you are, but if it would help for others to gather around and pray with you, I invite you just to get up and come and sit here on the front row, or if you're willing to do so, kneel at this altar for a few moments of celebration, confession in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came into your world and into my world to change everything. today and I want you to lift your hearts and wherever you are you can offer up to God today and lay before the Lord those circumstances that bring unrest and tension into your lives Jesus Christ came into the world to save to deliver to release us into the fullness of his love Father we thank you that grace is sufficient for every person on this planet. And grace is sufficient for us in the current circumstances of our lives. And all of our circumstances are different here today, but your grace is perfectly suited to my needs and perfectly suited to the needs of each one of us. 
I pray for our brother who's seated here that you will hear his petition and that you will touch him in a way that will bring strength and wholeness and the joy of the Lord even in the midst of. We would ask for healing and wholeness to be granted. But most importantly, we would ask for spiritual wholeness and peace to be ever-present in all of our lives. We'll never let go. We'll never let go. We'll never give up. We'll never stop believing. And we thank you that you came into our world and you changed everything. And thank you for those night visits when you slip into our, our bedroom at least and you touch me in the middle of the night when when everything comes in and everything looks dark, I thank you for coming with light and joy and courage in those difficult moments for me. And I pray that for all of us, we'll gather to ourselves this big word that you came to save. Your prevenient grace, your saving grace, your sanctifying grace, your transforming grace, your strengthening grace. Your providence that grants to us just what we need in the hour of our need. And this morning we accept that as a free gift. We don't do that lightly. We do that with a great sense of unworthiness. But we do it with great joy and great confidence. For you promised to us that we'll have all that we need all the days of our lives. So we bless you. And we honor you. And we do it in the name of Jesus, our Lord, who came to change everything. Amen.